This is for the nerves, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me, you're not gonna do nothing, you are not above me, I bet you wish you was me, I know it, I know. What is poppin', everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Only Friends Podcast. I'm pretty sure this is episode 311, it might be 310, I'm not sure. I'm also not sure how Chauncey was sitting on the side of this table, and then as soon as the intro started, he, <laughs> he just knows. plops right down in front he of the camera. Knows. He knows. He's, he's very camera-oriented. He's, a, he's, a camera cam he's not camera-shy, to say the least. But no. we are here with, I guess, guess guests of the pod? You're only guess, friends with Jason? I think we're guests. I, you know what? We're, we're the B team for the podcast, because the A team <laughs> is like Berkey, Conrad, Bryant, right? The three of us, we can just be the B team. Yeah, I'll take B team. I don't <laughs> mind being B team. We're here with Marley. Hello. Hi. Hi, surprise-ish guest. I, You're a surprise guest for sure. Yeah. Yeah, surprise to you even. Yeah, surprise <laughs> even to myself. I did not plan on being on, but I thought, what the hell? Mm -hmm. You thought, you know what, the A-team's the a -team's gone, they're trying to play 1D yeah. of the main, you bagged yesterday, both of you, and you're like, you know what, they need help today. Mm -hmm. They're down bad, like, what would I do without a surprise guest? Yeah. yeah. You I'm were in. literally in the building, because of this little man over here, Chauncey. Yeah, I came so. by to see and check on and take care of, clip his nails, <laughs> my little chance. He doesn't like the nail clipping. He doesn't love it, <laughs> but if I tried to do, I have another cat, and if I tried to do his nails, I, I don't even try because he's just too vicious. <laughs> Olaf? Olaf, yeah. I love Olaf. You sent yeah. me a picture of Olaf once that I still use to this day. He's very angry. And he looks angry. He's, is he angry or does he just look angry? Very angry. Very <laughs> problematic. Some cats just have that attitude to them. They just, yeah. like, they're just in a permanent state of, of just anger and frustration and you shouldn't bother them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess we can quickly get into talking about the main event. We can talk about uh, you guys both played 1C. We did, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I think we, we both were, I guess, pretty happy with how it turned out. I mean, I, I don't think either of us ran well, but uh, I bagged starting stack, more or less, and you bagged, what was it? 38.4, uh, mm -hmm. exact. So we got chips. We're Coming back main. to Big Blind 800, right? Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Like, this is one of the tournaments where bagging less than starting stack normally in most MTTs, you'll think, oh man, I'm coming back to 20 bigs or less. But you play the main and you bag 40K at Big Line 800, you have heaps. Mm -hmm. I know. Yeah. You yeah. have heaps, even though it feels yeah. like opportunity lost, right? Right. So if you register for day two, how many bigs is that? 75. Wow. So you just walk into 75. Mm -hmm. 60K starting, right? Okay. 60K starting and 800 big line. So if I can do math correctly, which I mean, I'm. A little bit rusty, but I think it's 75. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, uh, the main advantage of, of registering day two in a lot of tournaments is, or like registering late in a lot of tournaments is you're like neutralizing a lot of the variance that comes with the early stages sometimes because the early stages are usually quite shallow. But in the main event, like when you're deep enough that you're not really going to be playing all in pots very often anyway. Like there's a huge advantage to just being there on the early day. Yeah, day one. for sure. Like, I guess the way that I see main event strat for day 1A and 1B is like day 1A, you try to show up and hope they pick you when it comes to cooling people mm -hmm. because you're going to be a little bit more responsible when it comes to putting in infinite big blinds, whereas some people just... Uh, Put in a lot of big blinds with a lot of hands. I mean, speaking of, we saw someone bust, or two people bust hand one of the main Flight 1D. Yeah, that's wild. That's really wild. Especially one of them that was just like, a guy gets kings and just makes it like 75x with his three bet or something. Like it's, <laughs> It just goes like 600, 600, 15,000 or something. <laughs> like People are out there, man. People are putting chips into those pots. It's an interesting thing because Matt and Conrad had a discussion uh, in the chat about how much of an hourly you think you have for being on time. Like, how much money can you make, theoretically, by playing the first two levels, mm -hmm. right? Where in most theoretical realms, it's probably not that much money. But at the same time, the main event is such a rare tournament. If you are fortunate enough to be gifted a stack early, it is still worth much more money than the normal tournament you're gonna play when you, yeah. when you double. I, I would also say as well, with, a, with an event like the main, because of how deep the stacks are and because of how amplified the skill edges are, you get this kind of thing where whatever the value of your stack actually is in terms of ICM, the bigger your edge is, the more your stack's value is kind of inflated in that sense. And then when you, when you win a big pot earlier on, 
like that sort of compounds the the benefit that you get so like the best player in the field having somebody just punt to them for 300 bigs in level one they almost gain more dollar ev from that than the average player would so the better you are the more you're gonna get like this exponential benefit of having someone just punt to you in a stupid spot in level one you know it's a very strange thing in the sense of most of the time when it comes to valuing the dollar ev it's not gonna be worth much but being there in order to get chosen for these massive big blind mistakes where it goes open call giga three bet where mm -hmm. the only response you have is basically just like play aces anyways mm -hmm. and then someone puts in infinite big lines with kings where most of the time they're just going to be drawing pretty slim yeah you know and having that ability to get that double allows you to dodge landmines that maybe you would just be out otherwise right yeah. like when it comes to playing deeper you know most times call it people with higher win rates are going to be a lot more wary of the set over set mm -hmm. situations than the average person yeah. Yeah. some people flop a set in a spot and they just think oh if they if they got me they got me but there are spots where they just only got you right you yeah. know and i think there's there's also like if you if you were to look at it in terms of complete neutral edges like nobody has a skill edge and it was just a question of flipping coins if you're flipping coins and you start out with more money than the other guy you are more likely to be the one who has all the money at the end and just having the opportunity to win pots early on has that effect of when you do get into a situation that's you know forces you to be subject to some variance you're more likely to have chips left behind like you say so i just think for the main for other tournaments it's like yeah whatever late reg early doesn't matter a ton but for the main like you just got to be there day one yeah like it, it's a tough one in the sense of some people st don't study deep stacked mm -hmm. Uh, tournament poker yeah. and I guess you can call it kind of like a cash game format mm -hmm. you know and that's why I think some cash players especially live cash that have seen a lot of the heuristics and examples over and over again of this guy raises here he has good hand this guy doesn't mm -hmm. check raise here he doesn't have these hands most of the time has a lot more value in a tournament like the main with a slow structure than a tournament like a Colossus with 30 minute levels. Mm -hmm. You know, where you're doubling first hand in that, it's not gonna be worth as much, but you're in the main, you're playing 300 big blinds deep, you're just gonna be in your wheelhouse much more often. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I, I think especially for, for a lot of the cash game players in the field who are not gonna get that much of their EV from, like they're not gonna be as good in the end game as tournament regs are, but, what EV they do get is going to come from cashing the tournament more often as a product of playing better at deeper stacks earlier on. Yeah. In comparison to a lot of the tournament regs who, like, maybe they even show up on day two or maybe they're just, like, not that good at 300 bigs, but they have enough of an ICM understanding that on the occasions where they do run good enough to cash, they're going to go slightly deeper on average. Yeah, it's a tough thing when it comes to the main in the sense of it being a moonshot tournament mm -hmm. more so than others. Yeah. So when it comes to day two and you max, you're going to inherently just gain EV by maxing mm -hmm. as some people have already busted. So your chips are just worth more. Right. But at the same time, if you're not in that day one type of situation, you potentially aren't going to be able to catch some of the punts that are going to be more available in a tournament like this, mm -hmm. especially when... The debate as of recent is how many players in the main overall are losing at what clip. Yeah. Right? At what negative ROI right. is the average player? You saw that tweet from Brewer then, I assume. What were your thoughts? I missed this. Okay. Do we have to Yeah. Uh, probably don't, don't have that queued don't up. Have the, we, we don't have a queued. No. But if right. I, I, can, <clears throat> I can find you it. You can find it. Let me try to check. I'll, I'll explain it in the meantime. Yeah, Basically, go for it, was, it. It, was, uh, it was Chris Brewer, I think, going back and forth a little bit with. Our, our very own Matt Berkey, Ike Haxton. Classic. Um, class, I mean, yeah. I, it, would, yeah, it does not surprise me. If somebody yeah. puts out a poker tweet, <laughs> there's going to be a Matt Berkey in the reply there's gonna be, Yeah, he's going to be in there. Uh, Ike Haxton, Justin Bonomo, a couple of others were contributing to it, I think. And it, the, the idea was Brewer put out a poll of how, what percentage of the field do you think in the main event is winning? Right. And, oh, you got it already. Perfect. Uh, he's quick with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the poll results, real quick, are 40% of people think that greater than 15% of the field is greater than 0% ROI. And then 18, 20, like basically 20%, 20, 20, 20, 40 
when it comes to zero to five percent of the field being greater than zero, six to ten percent being greater than zero, mm-hmm. and eleven to fifteen percent being greater than zero. Mm-hmm. So most people think that the average, not the average, but more than fifteen percent of people, people that register are winning in the main event. Yeah, that's a, a really interesting take. I think that the way I look at it is I definitely think that zero to five percent is unrealistic. Like I definitely think it's more than that. Yeah. But I also I would say that there's probably a I've always thought that there are a lot of people who think they're winning a lot in the main and who are actually not winning almost anything. And there are a lot of people who think they're like break even to, you know, maybe losing a little bit who are actually losing a lot. So I would um I wouldn't be sure exactly what percentage it would be, but I do think there's a lot of misconceptions about the main. Uh, I was quite curious about um, Bonomo's response in that thread as well, because he, he said that he thought that the, like, the top 10 or 15 or 20 players in the field are way ahead of like number 200 in the field. And then number 200 is also way ahead of like number 1,000 or something. Like, so he basically thinks there's like a big curve to it, basically. Yeah, I was formerly in the camp of the difference between the top player, like mm-hmm. best player in the main versus 100th best player in the main can't be that different. But in recent past, I have been proven wrong. Mm-hmm. Like I think some people in the main are winning at an extremely high clip just from experience, from being able to, for lack of a better term, and we kind of make a joke of it now, but like being a navigator, you know, yeah. like navigating mm-hmm. the MTT streets where you can kind of play more hands because you know you can get away from some big hands or mm-hmm. some people can't get away from some yeah. hands where theoretically speaking, a call in a certain spot or a defend might be a little bit too wide and you mm-hmm. might be theoretically losing some dollars. But in practice, you make up for it by people bluff catching too wide, mm-hmm. not bluff catching enough, right? Yeah. Trying right. to figure out where somebody is imbalanced to be able to take advantage of it. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think the good players too, like they just won't give up. And there's just so many regs who will just not grind those sub 10 big blind stacks. And you just have so much time in this tournament to find that great spot. And the good regs are just gonna stick around long enough and they have so much time to wait and they will be patient and they're not gonna punt. And that's the biggest thing I think. Yeah, yeah that's huge too. You know, deeper in the main, sometimes people have a lot of chips lose a big pot yeah. and have 20 bigs and you see those 20 bigs is something that they're willing to light on fire yeah right um i remember last year i think it was either last year or two years ago like uh yuri uh Zevalevsky, like very very good brazilian poker Russia. player was just like at an average of 30 big blinds for the entire day five or whatever mm-hmm. it was where yeah. i was like so many people will just not be able to have that patience to have a 30 big blind stack every two hours mm-hmm. but when you know how big of an opportunity it is and how rare this tournament is you just respect it yeah. and know how 30 big lines goes in well you can certainly just kind of sneak right you basically just sneak and hope to spin right and I, th- I think another thing that people don't account for very accurately is how how top heavy the main is and how much it how much of your roi is accounted for by <clears throat> when you get chosen as you put it to run deep how often do you turn that into a win instead of a fourth or a fifth or a sixth because if you look at like two years ago when Karai went deep, Karai was the only player in the final three to four tables from what I remember. I think, was that the same year that Chance went deep? I think it was, yeah, because oh, okay. I think Chance lost with George Holmes, the ace-king to aces. Right, okay. So Karai and Chance went deep, I think, in the last, last three tables. It was Karai, Chance, and Mitch Halverson. Yeah, right. But even Mitch, like, Mitch doesn't play at the level of experience that Chance and Karai do in sure. terms of like they've both played high rollers and all this stuff, right? So mm-hmm. I was looking at that and I was saying, if Chance or Karai gets the chip lead, it's fucking done. Like one of these guys is gonna win it because it's such a valuable spot for them to be in and they're not gonna punt because they know how to handle those spots so much better than every other player in that field because it's not the level of pressure for them that it is for everybody else, right? Like they've played for millions of dollars before, and they're the two best players left in the field. So in the rare occasion that an elite player runs good, I mean, it happened with Espen too, right? Yeah, es- definitely. Espen is like such an elite level player. He is, yeah. He ran good, he played amazing, and he managed to, to pull out the win, you know? And I, I, I think people look at edges in the main in terms of like, oh, this guy is so good, he's going to cash like 50% of the time. It's not really how it works. No. Yeah, I think there's a 
very stark difference in making the bet of picking people to beat a certain ROI threshold versus like crossbook team versus team. Mm -hmm. I think this is a very real thing. And you want to have someone that can win the tournament. You know, sometimes you're not going to cash. Like you kind of want the day one or day seven kind mm -hmm. of guy for when you're yeah. crossbooking, right? But if you have a certain bet of a threshold of ROI, you definitely want to have people that can mitigate that, that variance. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that also um, <clears throat> there's a little bit of entitlement tilt that comes with all these numbers mm -hmm. too because I felt it yesterday for sure. It's specific to the main and you just, the pressure of, of caching, the soft fields, the soft tables and that, that little voice in the back of your head that's like, it's crazy to bust day one. It's crazy to bust day one. Yeah. And then you just, I felt myself pushing just a little bit, just, you know, thinking I can get away with things that I really can't just a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that all plays into it for sure. Yeah, it does. There's, there's a lot of mental game to just main event, di different scenarios on main event day one, you know, like the scenario where you lose half your stack early on. Like I lost a, a, a third of my chips in the first orbit, you know, like there's the, the scenario where you just have less than starting all day. Like I did. And then, there's the scenario where like two years ago I had the opposite where I won a big pot in like level two or mm -hmm. something. And now I have like almost a hundred K and you know, might have a super soft table and I ended up bagging 180 K. It was a day that went really well. Cause I ran really good, but you've got so much of like, it's like an emotional swing from one scenario to the other, right? You could be in a scenario where you just feel like everything's against you all day and it just sucks and you bust level four and you just hate yourself afterwards. Or you could be in a scenario where you just feel like you absolutely crushed it and you bagged 200K. You just feel like you're going to win the main event. And it's just like main event day one is, is that wild, uh, like there's so much emotional investment in it. I've heard many, many stories of people that have had a lot of chips deep, but can't keep it together for seven straight days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that too. The yeah. stamina. I mean, the, the, I made, the furthest I've gone was 228th, day five. Sick run. Nice, yeah. Yeah, it, it was uh, 2021, I think. And I, I could definitely feel, I mean, it's a special kind of pressure that starts to sit in around day four. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you just feel it. And that's just, that experience is so invaluable. Just mm -hmm. It starts there. becoming real, right? It starts becoming real yeah. in the sense of having that potential six-figure life-changing score where you're only so many people away from having a complete change in life, yeah. especially if you're shot taking or uh, taking some sort of risk that you otherwise wouldn't, you know? Mm -hmm. We don't play the main event in order to start. And like, I had this issue uh, for myself this year uh, when I busted day one. I played a, I played a hand versus uh, D. Peters where I probably should have folded pre. Um, I guess we can get into some hands and sure. I'll start and then you guys can go, go through. But I played a hand where I opened Jack 8 suited from hijack. Uh, he bets cut off and we're like 300 deep. I'm like, well, this seems like bottom to me with a big blind ante. In normal situations mm -hmm. or low jack, hijack, I would fold. Uh, Theoretically, I was just wrong. Just a couple pips too wide. Uh, I peel, flop comes, king, jack three, uh, rainbow with a diamond. I check, he goes quarter pot. I call, turns an eight of diamonds. I'm like, oh, this is great. So I turn two pair on blocking the king. Check, check. River is an offsuit nine. So queen 10 makes a straight. And he's still going to be capped at like some king 10, uh, some king queen. Uh, I go pot and I go 6,500. And at this point, big blind is 200 because I raised the five. He goes 17. I go 6,500. He raises to 16.5K. So like a very small raise. Yeah. And it's like, well, I know where his bluffs are coming from. And I know he's capable of bluffing. So I just kind of put the chips in, but don't expect to get them back. And uh, he just has top set. Uh, for three kings and it's like this is just a really good hand played by him and mm -hmm. a spot that i don't need to take in the main event right yeah you don't take these spots out of position playing against one of the best players in the world you can just fold and it's fine yeah it's fine let it's it go just not like i think the way that i would describe that is like that's not where your ev is coming from no right? of course like, not your ability to win in this event is not coming from your ability to scrape every dollar out of a pot against d peters right it's coming from like every single other player at your table exactly you know? so it's i would just fold pretty i mean i struggle with that a lot though too i was texting landon a hand actually from the ladies event i had chrissy b at my table mm -hmm. and uh you know she's obviously a very good player is 10-handed and a lot of recreational players. Mm -hmm. And I struggle where it's like, I really just like don't want to play pots with her, sure. which are especially when the table's so soft. Mm -hmm. But also it's like, I need to just like get value. Sure, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Right. No, or I can't just like fold completely and just oh, like yeah. not battle her. But it's always like this kind of like give and take when- Hey buddy. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> You know, right. it's like that give and take is like, I don't want to battle this person, but like, how much do I just overfold to them? Yeah, I, I, I think it, 
for me, it comes down to like recognizing the situations which are actually really marginal versus the situations where you might be giving up a, a certain amount of EV, but you're, you're still making money, right? So like, it's, it's the question of like, let's say you flop like a vulnerable two pair against mm -hmm. like a really good player. In a lot of cases, you might raise this, but you're gonna just call it and that's gonna, you're still making money just calling. And they what you're, more. What, yeah, yeah. Or, and, but what you're now doing is you're allowing yourself to sometimes get away from it on runouts where it just becomes a lot worse for your hand. But there's obviously still going to be some runouts where you still, you still win a big pot. Or you like, maybe you, you take a hand that like mixes three bets and folds pre-flop and you just fold it against the really good player <clears> because it's just not super important for you to have the exact right amount of bluffs in your three bets and stuff, you know? Yeah, uh, I guess real quick, uh, we're going to pop into a CSA. We have Conrad on the line from the biggest main event in the history of poker. Oh, we do. Yeah. Yes. What is popping, squad? What's going oh, on? Hey. How many <laughs> chips you got? Uh, I got like 90. Nice. A little All right. 90. Conrad's yeah, got we're, chips. We're, we're gliding. Um, wait, where's my sidekick? Who the fuck gave him today? It's Landon, me, and Molly. So the B team, the B team's on duty. Wait, so the sidekick, he never asked for the day off. So I'm going to have to take care of that when I get off the phone with you guys because there's, there's an issue there. You know? <laughs> yeah, the sidekick is at the shit. The sidekick is on whale, whale duty. Hold, oh, I mean, if you're whale hunting, I guess I can't be mad mad. Yeah, he's, right? wh he's whale watching right now. <laughs> right. He's on a fishing then, excursion. That's another story. But yeah, this shit is popping down here. We're actually playing nine-handed. So for all you dummies that were scared about being ten-handed, we are nine-handed. We are nine -handed. Nice. Yeah, I, I ended up saying that uh, I was pretty sure, like pre-podcast, that the ten-handed warnings are just a bunch of fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Uh, you know, they started yeah. spreading thought about playing <laughs> before. It's yeah, a conspiracy theory. Yeah. Yeah, I feel That's a little right. bit, uh, a little bit not upset, you know, just disappointed in the fact that playing one A. How's the uh, how's the tortoise doing? You with you? I'm the tortoise is actually not with me. I'm not sure how he's doing. Okay, well we'll get a tortoise but, update later. Hopefully. Yeah, I think I think he's gonna call in in a minute. I think he said he's gonna. All right, sounds well. good. Well, from what I no, remember I from the tortoise, uh, the tortoise has never busted a day one in 15 tries. I, I would predict the tortoise has around 52k. That's my that's my prediction. <laughs> I can't wait till yeah. I can't wait till he says he just five bet rips an ace five. Has 130k. Listen, I can tell you one thing: the tortoise is do not doing two things. That's busting with ace five or deuces. Yeah, yeah. That's just one thing for sure. He's just not doing it. The tortoise, you know, he doesn't get down like that. Dog. If there was a live odds, like imagine we just have a sports book for live odds of certain <laughs> things. Like Brian Lamana busting day one would be plus. 800. Okay, we got to get Timex on it. Yeah, like get Timex to give odds on tortoise busting with a hand other than like Queens Plus. Yeah. yeah what what, <laughs> what value hand strength will Brian LaManna bust with? Will it be over pair, five card hand <laughs> uh, set? Or will it he get it in like with an a, a open ended straight flush draw and just brick? Mm -hmm. Plus 20,000 on that hilarious. one. <laughs> yeah. There's probably some good props in the main, right? Will you see Phil Homie's nipple or not? <laughs> Uh, well, I, whoever predicted right. the yes on that one would have would have won some money. Yeah, I actually put a sweatshirt on because my nipple was popping out too. So, well, uh, I mean, at least you're not 50, 50 whatever years old. Like, how many <laughs> out of shape or whatever? Oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah, bro, that. Bro, bro, bro is overcooking on this one. This is the guy yeah. that we we apparently want everybody outside poker to think of as like the representative of what we are as poker players. This is yeah. our ambassador. This, this is, is our, our fearless this leader. Is our guy. <laughs> yeah, just let bro cook. Right? He cooks, man. Look at him. I that just wish he won 10K Super Turbo this week. What, He's what won can we 17 bracelets. Him? He can't afford a costume yeah. that fucking fits him. Yeah, he also won Nip Slipper the series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I would hope that there aren't too many other competitors for that award. The um, only thing he's missing is tassels. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Nipplegate is on this year again. Yeah, I, if we have any more nip slips, it'll be rivaling that guy from a few years ago who like dropped his pants and threw his shoe at the dealer. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about that. Yeah, there was no. a whole Poker News article re reminiscing about that day that that happened. It was, it was great. I, yeah, I unfortunately, Pittsburgh has to take credit for that, bro. Yin, oh, really? he's, a, he's a yinzer, yeah. Uh, we can shit on Pittsburgh oh, yeah, as, the, as much as we want because none of them are here. Yeah, they're both gone. One of them's yeah, in the, the main. Mid the, Midwest, the Midwest does that type of shit all the time, man. It's probably crazy that's not like some classroom in western it's right on the other side of the connie dixon line so like uh -huh. yeah midwest is fucking crazy bro 
Yeah. Uh, how, much, how, much time, how much time you got left on dinner break? I have like 20 minutes, but you know, I gotta go do some things and things gotta be done. So. Yeah, by do some things, you're gonna go to your guys. car and maybe get high? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? You just mind your goddamn business, Landon. Hey, man, no one's judging you. It's allowed. You can do whatever you I want. Have a beautiful day, guys. <laughs> Later, squad. Yeah. See, that, that's a guy with chirping chips right there for sure. It's kind yeah. of how it's Yeah, I could tell how it was going just by his disposition. Like, <laughs> right, right. He's, if, got, he's chip bleeding right now. If he now. has like 25K, he's going to be a different kind of Conrad. He's not calling in. Yeah, <laughs> right. He's Conrad's, got, ten, Conrad's got 10K. Gonna, he tells me us. some other. He's got some choice words to me when I say he's going to go to his car. Yeah. But yeah, I guess uh, do we have Brian? Do we have a tortoise? Not yet. Tortoise has not chimed in yet. Tortoise okay. Not in. Yeah, he'll, right. be here, he'll be here sh uh, shortly let's, and slowly. Let's uh, so talk about another hand. You guys want to hear how I lost a third of my stack in the first orbit? Let's go yes, for it. Yes, yes. All right, so... We all got to go through our guilt, Yeah, you know? exactly. We get dealt kings under the gun. Confess your sins. We get dealt king of spades, king of hearts, and that's important. The suits are important. Okay. Uh, we open under the gun to 600. Starting stack, obviously, first orbit. Uh, low jack and high jack both call pretty quickly. Um, Lojack is Lara Eisenberg, who I played with hmm. at WPT Prime. Good player. Yeah, good yeah. player. Won the, I think she won the ladies event a couple years back. Yeah. Deep um, run in the Prime. Yeah, she got second in the Prime, I got eighth. Um, so yeah, played with her, I know her, she plays good. So she's the first caller. Second caller is this lady from Texas in a bright pink hat who's obvious whale. Um, <laughs> she's out here. Yeah, she's out there. She's an obvious whale. Um, and then the, right after that, the cutoff, who's a guy that I think, from what I can tell, is Russian, but I'm not sure. Like, he just, he's just, like, middle-aged guy. Potential Russian. Probably a rec player. Looks Russian. Like, pretty quickly, three bets to 3,600. So it goes 600, call, call, 3,600. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I have kings, I just got three bets. That's pretty good. But I know nothing about this guy, and I am obviously not going to stack off with kings in level one of the main. Comes back around to me. I don't really want to flat and just play four ways. We four bet to 8K, which I think I should probably four bet a bit bigger. Mm -hmm. I'm, still, I'm still looking to get value. Yeah, out of position, um, probably want to go a little bit bigger. Yeah. Um, Either way, how so I, big of a deal? I think, yeah, I'm probably, probably not a huge deal. Uh, so the, the two callers fold. The guy, the three better flats instantly. It comes. That's good. Yeah. It comes. <laughs> Getting ace, five bet, I mean, fuck. Right. It comes <laughs> ace of clubs, queen of diamonds, four of diamonds. Um, so naturally, the, the ace always, always comes when you the have Ace kings. magnets, for real. Yep. Um, we bet 3K, he calls like very quickly. Mm -hmm. Turn is the seven of diamonds, um, putting three diamonds out there. Uh, check, check. That's good. River is the three of diamonds. So it's now ace of clubs, queen, four, seven, three, all diamonds. Mm -hmm. mm. Um, I bet like half pot. Um, We're hoping he folds an ace. Obviously bluffing, hoping he folds like ace-jack suited, some ace-queen, black ace-king, stuff like that. Yep. Um, maybe even like a super nitty set of aces or set of queens. Sometimes maybe they fold. Yeah. But, yeah, especially level one of the main. <laughs> yeah, right. And, like, it's also just like really hard for us to have bluffs here. So it just feels like yeah. a spot where we have kings is kind of good but to bluff. Also, they're not thinking. <laughs> right, right. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> they're just like, I said aces, um, come. <laughs> but he like, he like thinks for a little while and I'm like, oh, maybe he's folding. This is good. And then he just like says raise and throws in a 25k chip. And I'm uh, like, all right, well, we just snap muck. But, um, and he shows you Jack's no diamond. He didn't, yeah. show, he didn't show anything. He didn't show anything. But um, yeah. I, I'm pretty confident he just had like ace king with the ace of diamonds. Because mm -hmm. on the turn, the thing that sealed it, the thing that sealed my decision to bluff on the river was on the turn, he, he did the obvious like check for a diamond. Like the diamond comes out, he like instantly checks for a diamond, right? Yeah, the repeal. And so I figure if he, first of all, if he has two diamonds, he's less likely to do that. If he has like ace king of diamonds, he's less likely to do that. Also, he's probably going to bet the turn a lot. Yeah, exactly. And he's, he's unlikely, or like even ace king with the ace of diamonds is going to bet the turn a fair amount. So mm -hmm. we decide to bluff the river. Uh, it doesn't get through and we lose like, you know, a third of our chips. But I feel like it was a pretty decent spot and a good amount of the time we just like, mm -hmm. we, we put a lot of hands in tough spots. We get a lot of folds. Um, it's a funny thing when it comes to the, like, theoretical analysis versus the practical, like, mm -hmm. call it... I like to call it the difference between, uh, like, theory and whale whispering, yeah. you know? Whale whispering. So, I cause, love like, that. Because, like, in theory, <laughs> you're going to have a wider forward range than mm -hmm. just, like, Kings Plus. But, right. like, in this spot, you're going to be pretty tight. Yeah. I, um, I mean, I think in practice, I'm literally just four betting Kings, Ace, King, and Aces. Because yeah. everything else, I'm just peeling, and I'm happy to have callers behind, because that's... 
all that bad with those hands, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, but, I'd, I'd rather be versus like a brag here than like a whale because the whale's just gonna like, yeah, call, like they're just gonna like have top even like t an ace. There was a be, like, call, so there was a, I mean? right, so there exactly like he could just have a jack of spades, it just like doesn't believe and that's me, what's right? so fucked up is like you're like, well, he I look so, it's so hard to bluff here, I have to be bluffing these hands, so mm -hmm. he really can't call with like anything, especially like level one of the main, right. but it's like they just will yeah <laughs> well it's kind of like a full or, circle i don't know mm -hmm. well i mean you're right because it's a full circle this is where you ev is made right yeah this is, mm -hmm. this is the spots when it comes to having very few bluffs and not worrying about bluffing or being balanced mm -hmm. versus trying to figure out if i'm beating d peters with jack eight when he grazes two mm -hmm. and a half x right like right. this is a very low yeah. to negative ev spot mm -hmm. versus very big glaring positive ev spot right yeah and i think in retrospect like i almost feel like i can just check flop and just be like okay with having kings be pretty much the only hand that I ever actually check there. Yeah. I, I yeah. think it's. I think it's fine. I, think I, I don't know. Betting is probably fine too, but like yeah. I, I um. I think I, the bluff's fine too, but by yeah. the way, but I obviously, but I just think like, yeah. It's it's just one of those spots where it's like you. I felt afterwards I was like, how did I just play a pot for a third of my chips in level one? Yeah, it in feels a four bad. Four bet pot, and I'm like, I bluffed the river in a four bet pot, but like when you think about it, like. It, I think it is pretty good, you know, so it's like, it's just an annoying spot. Yeah, well, it's but, the mix between theory practice where mm -hmm. in theory, you know, you're still going to want to have bluffs in certain nodes. Mm -hmm. And then in practice, you know that your worst hand is going to be this one. Yeah. Right. You're not going to bluff with an ace, mm -hmm. right? Because you can just beat a queen, like yeah. queen jack of hearts or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to bluff with a diamond because you're value betting. Yeah. And then you just fold to raise like pure. Yeah, exactly. And you're and, just like, okay, I accept that I'm going to still have bluffs here. So... Mm -hmm. Not like your frequency is going to be in check, but it doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter in this spot. You play at 250K, you fucking watch out. Yeah. Right? And I, I'm, I'm, you know, a lot of it's obviously like timing of, of how he acted and things like that. And there's, there's stuff that's relevant in live poker that just you can't incorporate into theory because you can't be like, there's no GTO for like what happens when the guy checks his cards versus when he doesn't. You know, there's no like way I to I love for that. doing that fake tell, by the way. I always know my suits pre. Whole card check. <laughs> yeah. yeah I and do I that always, as well. yeah, I love I, it. I do it. Like, what's funny is I do it but I do it as like a, it's almost like a reflex for me. Like I, I don't even consciously forget my cards. I just look at them again anyway, because I just, my brain wants to do something physical. I, I, it's, it's weird. I, huh. I, I just find myself checking my cards a lot. Cause I, I, maybe it's like an anxiety thing that I've like gotten them. Maybe I've gotten them wrong. You know, like yeah. I'm, I, ever, before I call an all in, I always recheck my cards. I'm always afraid to like snap without checking my cards because like, the one time I have ace four off instead of aces and I snap and I'm, I'm just going to yeah, hate myself so much. For sure. So, yep. Yeah. So that was how I lost a third of my chips. But, uh, you know, we bad starting, so I'm, I'm happy. Yep. Marley, any interesting ones? Um, yeah, I, I, I did have some interesting ones. I guess I just was in a lot of spots throughout the day. I didn't get, like, lose any massive, massive pots. Sometimes you just, like, Just bleed, whittle. bleed, bleed. And I just felt like I was in a lot of spots where... I just like I had to value bet and I just like value on myself because they would I felt like they were just doing a lot of just like one tiny C bet or one kind tiny bet and they were just going to like check mode mm -hmm. and I just have a hand like I feel like I need to bet and they would just have top every time but then they just were super passive with their whole range so yeah I mean uh, the way that I see these things from not even just like a theoretical perspective but just the practical like where whisper perspective is if you're value owning yourself and losing these pots you probably should be losing more right, right? yeah you right. probably should be losing a turn bet and a river bet but instead it's going check check you bet yourself to get value from certain parts of range and they just happen to have top and you lose a bet 75 instead of a turn over bet and then a river b50 Totally. Or whatever. So it's like, even though you're value owning yourself, you're actually still making EV because the EV that you're gaining is through not needing to pay more for the hand this good. Yeah. Hey guys, real quick, what did we think uh, the tortoise is coming in with? Chips? I think the tortoise, I'm going to go 75K. Um, okay. I said 52. Marley? I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go 90. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Big, 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 Crushing. big. There he is. There he is. What up? <laughs> oh, he's happy. Oh, he's got, he's got uh, 500. <laughs> 500. You're all idiots except for Marley. Oh, wow. How much do you have? Uh, 94. Let's go. Let's go. The tortoise is cooking. Almost fast. two starting stacks. I thought, I thought you would have spent three levels just folding. No. I'm I was, in there, I was trying to calculate how many blinds and antis you pay in three levels and just <laughs> subtract that from 60K. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad strategy, oh, to be honest. What an absolute madness it is here. Please explain. 
people everywhere. Uh, <laughs> just like, you know, I'm looking around and just like a sea of people everywhere I go. I couldn't find a seat to even eat my salad, but we were good. We got in. We, we ate. We're fueled up. We're ready to go. Nine handed. You feel like you're on vacation. I mean, oh my god! Can't beat it was, it. I, I sat down. I sat down at the table and I'm like, I looked around. And I'm like, Wait, are we nine handed? And they're like, <laughs> Yep. I'm like, Oh, this is great. This is just perfect because, like I said, everyone was you know worried about ten handed play. They didn't want to play, and everyone played yesterday, so the field was much tougher yesterday, I think, than it is today. You think but, so? You know, we're in. Yeah, I, I think it was. It seemed. It seemed like looking through the the uh, updates, it was a lot of good players. But I mean, there's a lot of good players, I guess, on every day. But I think today was. I think today was definitely the best day to play. Always is, I suppose. On D, all those satellite winners. Yeah. Man, it right. really is interesting. You got, Wait, got any uh, got any spots for us, Brian? What you got? What you got? Um. Honestly, not really. Um. I just, like, I won a bunch of small pots. Um, I didn't really lose any pots. Um, That's a good strat. <laughs> good, I, yeah. good strategy, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, I made a couple of hands. I okay. fought the set against a guy when he three-bet me. Mm. Um, and I got, got a couple of streets, so. Um, <laughs> Sounds like a big pot to me. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't, it was, it was in like the first level, so it wasn't, it wasn't super big, but, yeah. um, yeah, Here's a question. Here's a question, yeah. Brian. Do you think your tortoise image has helped you get away with more bluffs? Um, do people recognize the tortoise. Do they like? Do they know your yeah. reputation? Yeah, but then they then they see me play, and I think they're like, "Wow, you play more hands than I expected." <laughs> <laughs> have, do you actually have people say that to you? Uh, yeah, one guy was like, "You're really aggressive." I'm like, okay, well, he's a snapping a turtle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, snapping turtle. He's a ninja turtle. You know, yeah. So, no, it was funny because the guy was like, he was saying, he's like, "Oh, so where are you from?" I'm like, "I'm originally from Pittsburgh." He had no idea who I was, and he's like, "I go, you know, I live out here now." Oh, you live out here? You're a pro, huh? And like, I love yeah, that question. Like I never that. know what to say. Yeah, yeah. If you live in Vegas, you're just a, you're just a, or not, if you live, if you have a Vegas ID, then you're just a, a professional poker player. I had a I had a Lyft driver a couple of weeks back who I was going to a tournament and he uh, he asked me what like what I do is like I'm a poker player. Like told him that I played poker professionally, and then after that he was like, so do you ever like play with the pros? And I was like. I just told you I am a pro. I just told you I play poker professionally. And he was like, no, no, no. I mean, like, Helmuth, Helmuth and Negranu and stuff. And I'm like, no, like, come on. Like, I'm, they, I'm a professional they, they poker mean, player. Give me some people, credit. The people that were on, they, they, when they say that, they mean the people that were on TV 15 years That's ago. exactly it. That's what they mean. There's they mean, a difference yeah. between, like, a pro and household name, you know? Mm -hmm. So most people mm -hmm. only see pro as a household name. And yeah. if you're not, yeah. you're just kind of scraping so, it. It was like this guy, when so I told I, him I was a professional poker player, he didn't believe me. He's like, no, you're not. You, you, it doesn't matter. You don't count. You're not on TV. Yeah. Not yet. Yeah. So, so I, t I, tell this, I tell this guy, I'm like, no, I'm a serious recreational player. That's right. And then, and then, uh, and, <laughs> and then, like, halfway through level one, DePaulo comes up with the camera and interviews me. Right <laughs> <behind> <laughs> the I mean, he's like, see, I knew it. You are somebody. You are, you are somebody. Who Why are you? Are you? Don't worry about who I am. Uh, I am nobody. I go, no, I work. I was like, I have a real job. <laughs> you do. You do You're a, a podcaster. Yeah. Professional yeah. tortoise. I mean, I maybe, maybe, maybe I, I, I do work for a poker training company, but it's a real job. It is a real job, yeah. It is a job. How much you time we got left on break now? Conrad said twenty minutes, like ten minutes ago, that he's going to go to his car uh, probably. Twenty, about twenty minutes. Wow! So Conrad time and uh, turtle time are way two different things. Yeah. Well, turtle time. I mean, I, I obviously have the accurate time. <laughs> yeah, I would trust your estimate of time way over Conrad's. What's the uh, dinner break plan? What What you got cooking? Uh, you know, I've been. I, I get the same exact thing every dinner break. I go to uh, La Pizza. And I get a um, the the Italian chopped salad with with, with chicken breast. Tortoises are creatures of habit. It's nice. It's <laughs> nice. Yeah, we are creatures of habit, it's especially nice Italian tortoises. Usually, usually not much of a line except today. <laughs> um, there's usually a spot to sit down and eat, but uh, so today's a little different. But yeah, we got in. We're fed. We're ready to go for two more levels. You know. How many entries have has this fight gotten? 
38,000. 38,000. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, yeah we're, we're approaching over 40K entries in this thing. It's yeah, going to be like uh, 47 million the first. <laughs> wow. <laughs> first is $44 uh, billion. No, dollars. You, don't you, do that you to win, me, Brian. I busted already. Don't do this, man. <laughs> <laughs> don't do this to me. Oh, uh, man. I don't, I don't know. Well, the last I heard, um, they were at 88, over 8,800 total entries. Which obviously broke the record, so it is the biggest. Um, so I, I don't know, but I'm thinking that by the end of the day, we're gonna this thing is gonna have I don't know four four or five thousand maybe I don't know I, I I'm just curious to see if we if we crack the 10k mark I think it's gonna be very close. Man, it's a real interesting thing, right? Because we haven't even gotten to the max late registrants. Yeah, can they register? Mm -hmm. They have to register to before the start of day no, two? first two levels of day two. Mm. Max late reg is yeah. two levels into the first Saturday. Break. Two right. Day, day two in the Saturday. So, so, yeah. you, so people can register in the day one. I don't know why you would register in the day two, <laughs> A, B, and C. Day two, A, B, C. I, yeah. think, I, think, I think it's probably better if you're going to do register day two to wait for... But maybe you want the day off. If you play tomorrow, then you get a day off, and then yeah. you play... Uh, Sunday, yeah. if you make day three, but there's like, still for, what's for great day is one D's, we won't get that day off in between, but that's fine. Yeah, there's still time for somebody to notice that it's the biggest main event ever, fly into Vegas tomorrow, and play yeah. day two D on Saturday. And yeah. I, I hope right. that people do that because yeah. they should because it's this thing is huge. huge. But does this right. mean, in like your eyes, I guess we can kind of go around the horn that the poker boom now is bigger than it was then, at least for live. You know, online's obviously going to be a little bit stinted because of the uh, laws. <laughs> <laughs> I like how it's quotes. Yeah. Air quotes the laws. laws. Yeah. That these quote supposed government will yeah. put you in jail for <laughs> yeah. a break. You theoretically might get in trouble. Uh, but do we think that live, I mean, live poker seems like it's back, but what do we think this means for future tournaments, guarantees, prize pools? Is it going to get bigger, bigger by a bigger margin or just like slowly? I, I think that like what I'm what I'm kind of intrigued by is trying to figure out like where this boom has actually come from, right? Like is it some people have suggested it's a product of the fact that we've had so much inflation that people don't see ten grand as that big of a deal anymore. Maybe the it's a, the money printer. Yeah, like maybe it's a it's a um a marketing thing. Is it some change in popularity of poker during covid like i i think it's going to take a while for us to figure out exactly what the contributing factors are here because it's not like the moneymaker boom where it was very clear that chris moneymaker winning the main event was the starting point of the explosion of poker it kind of started the poker dream if you will right, exactly. there was no dream until it, someone that didn't have many money won a satellite and then won the biggest tournament to ever exist right so like i think we're gonna it's gonna be a while before we kind of understand exactly what's contributed to this and i don't think it is necessarily going to be the sort of thing that we can like and artificially engineer right i don't think it's necessarily the kind of thing that we can just look at what happened here and then replicate that and make everything even bigger in five years you know it might just be a little bit that we kind of got lucky that a lot of people got into poker during covid possibly and and now this is just going to be a, a consistent thing as opposed to like a long term you think it's kind of like uh, a queen's gambit approach for chess where chess kind of had some popularity not that much but then after that came out it just had a massive boom um but then it, it, if if we think that that's what it is for poker now like what what is the thing that was it <clears throat> just you're saying that it was covid that like got i mean poker really popular is that what happened when people returned to live poker feel to just bigger than before? I this is what I'm not sure about, right? Because I I wasn't even in poker yet. I was playing online like two hundred. Right, like hour. I I don't know for sure because different parts of the country came back to live poker at different times. The the growth of <laughs> what's Chauncey up to? Chauncey wants to know where the poker boom came from. Ah, I see. Yeah, the the growth of live poker fields post COVID was not. It wasn't uniform, right? Like it wasn't like everything here just exploded and then other places did the exact same. It was like some places couldn't get up and running again for a while. Um, yeah, I mean, Florida WPT was an example. Like when COVID came back, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Alex Yan won the main mm -hmm. for a, mil a million. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like these are the biggest fields you've ever seen. You know, Florida Poker, Super uh, Seminole Hard Rock Poker mm -hmm. Open came back. Um, Ilya Swan, the main in January where it just crushed the guarantee, right. you know, but other places in the world, poker was still kind of yeah. not having that much traction, but now it seems like Borgata 
crushed it with their series that they did. You know, uh-huh. Florida's always been like a go-to stop every quarter. Mm-hmm. And that's just been like that for the past couple of years. Yeah, and I, I don't know if it's... Because like the, the logic that says, well, everybody got into poker during COVID, would, that would be the case if it was an online boom, right? Like which if, we did see. Which we did see, but it's not like that's continued. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, so the, in, in order to believe that it was COVID, you have to think, okay, well, a bunch of people started playing poker online during COVID and then liked it so much that they stopped playing online and started playing live afterwards. Do you think that the maybe, I don't, I'm not saying that it's true or not, but the slight change in the public's opinions, opinion about the validity of the cheating maybe or the bots maybe like they mm. think that maybe some of the online players have just moved to online because they feel that it's safer mm. so they feel that it's more straight up or move they to, don't have to, to live about, you mean sorry move to live yeah, yeah yeah um yeah possibly i don't know i hadn't really thought of that but i i guess my my first thought about it would be that i think there's a lot of people who like casual people that play poker that really don't know about a lot of these cheating scandals and yeah and that just aren't really clued I, I mean, into them. I think I feel like I talk to a lot of people at the table, like Rex, who are kind of make comments like, "Oh, I don't play on." Like, they, actually, I was playing, and someone was like, "Oh, are you playing the WSOP event?" And they're like, "Oh, I don't play online." Yeah, the bracelet. Mm-hmm. I don't play that. I don't play online. Yeah. Because I, and, and my impression from how they said it was like, I don't trust it, yeah. or like you don't know what's on, if it's on the up and up, mm-hmm. or I want to look someone. You know what I mean? I feel like yeah. there's this like perception even amongst casual players that they feel that. It's just that they can't fully know who's on the other end of the screen. Right. Even if they don't understand what RTA is, or I don't think they, they even take it that far. I think it's just an unknown thing. Yeah, where I they, think they it makes understand. a lot of sense to yeah. uh, like real name online, you know, for mm-hmm. regulated markets. Like, yeah. why would you not just have that, so, that sort of transparency yeah. when it comes to who is and is not playing? But I think there's probably some of it too. I wonder how much like Hustler has to do with it. You know, the whole Robbie Garrett stuff, the whole having... Uh, I guess modern day celebrities like Alex Botez playing the main today, you know, Mr. Beast. I don't think he's playing the main, but was on Hustler. And those views, like the viewership of those streams was massive. And then they're promoting it to their audience in some regard. You know, like (laughs) I know like Mr. Beast passively kind of promotes poker. He's never going to publicly promote it. But seeing him on Hustler is one of those things that proves that he he does play poker. We, We hear a tortoise in the in the in the weeds. What we got? What we got? Tortoise in the weeds. I'm in the weeds. Yeah, it, no, I, I don't know. The, this poker <laughs> room is it, it's different than the, the, the first one, right? Because the first one, like, it was like multiple, multiple X of people getting into the game, right? Like 2006 was the record-breaking year, the Jimmy Gold year, where they got 80, uh, 8,700 people. Right. And in like, but like in 2003, when Moneymaker won, there were only 839 people in that tournament. Mm-hmm. So it 10x in like three years. Yeah. Where that's the, that's the all we're seeing now. We're not seeing like a 10x boom. Yeah. But we are seeing like maybe the height, like we all these people that were already in poker or had interest are that maybe faded away or coming back in and alongside a few other people. So like the popularity of especially live tournament poker might be at its height right now. Yeah, I think that might be, uh, that's a really good point because I think, I don't think we've seen anything happen that like made poker mainstream again necessarily. I definitely think these mm. like streamer games and and people like Botez and Mr. Beast and things like that getting into it, I definitely think that's helpful. But I don't think we've seen anything that would make poker like cool again, right? But yeah. right. I do think that a lot of different outlets are doing a better job of capturing a, a greater percentage of getting of the total percentage of people that are interested in poker, a higher percentage of them are actually playing live tournaments and actually investing right. money in it. You know, poker is a funny thing because I know so many people that play poker privately, but don't know that poker is an industry publicly. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of call it sneaky private games between people and friends that just kind of have their own little communities mm-hmm. without even realizing that there's an industry. Like, I didn't know that there was an industry until I started using Twitter. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I just thought that poker was just a game that people played for fun, and you can't really make a living from it. Yeah. But there's got to be something along the lines of, of course, it boomed with cable TV when cable TV was important. Mm-hmm. But now it seems like more so that streams and online type of environments are more cert- like prevalent. They're more prevalent. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, more prevalent to the common watcher. You know, yeah. Who watches cable TV anymore? 
Right. I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. know. It's all, all streaming services, right? Mm-hmm. So the more eyes that get on it from the social media standpoint, like also did have a, a clip of poker, like the, the stream getting over 2 million views, you know, right. like, there's just tons of viewership that is still here, but how do we capture that to the live arena? That, that, you know what, that might be, I hadn't thought of this, but that might be a big contributor to it. The, it might be that we're, we're starting to understand how poker can capture people's attention on social media. Like how mm. people that were otherwise not consuming poker content or engaging with poker, maybe there are enough people out there now, vloggers, you know, all kinds of different outlets that are engaging with poker in different ways that we're starting to attract people in specifically through that medium. Because everything these days, like there's no industry that doesn't get a lot of its marketing through social media. So maybe that's <clears throat> contributing a lot. I think there's also a decent amount of public perception that goes into poker not just being a gambling game anymore, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. You know, like there's still the gamble aspect, which is fun and kind of gets people on edge, but also realizing that there is a skill set involved to mm-hmm. it to allow you to win. But at the same time, we're seeing things like mystery bounties becoming super popular, which actually is putting more gamble back into it. Right. Which I think Mm -hmm. actually a lot of recreationals do like, you know, for good reason, obviously. Mystery bounties are awesome. So, yeah, that's an amazing. And and pros. Pros like it, too. (laughs) It is a a funny thing with the mysteries because call it the good studied MTT vanilla pros, like the understand ICM concepts and all those ladders and pay jumps kind of get diminished because you're not able to access that much of the prize pool anymore. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you can still have edge in realizing the strategies of mystery bounties mm-hmm. where you can win a ton of theoretical dollars and IOUs for making some good plays pre-flop that you might not, that most of the field might not be aware of yet. Yeah. You know, so you can still have a skill edge, but there's definitely more gamble as well as the prize pool of like a really big prize being available to people where maybe they don't have access to it otherwise, right? Because making a deep run is very tough. But in this sort of format, if you make day two and knock someone out, you might just win $100,000. Yeah, and that uh, just seems awesome for the game as a whole because someone who banks a 100K bounty, who might be a very weak player, who's never going to actually win 100K in a tournament, but they bank the bounty and then they go play a 10K with 10% of their winnings, like that's great for the poker economy. Yeah, if some of the prize pool from the bounties go back into the ecosystem. Exactly. It allows for yeah. more entries in, in bigger fields. Uh, so I guess speaking of the win, you know, they're going to run the 10K that I'm still, I'm definitely going to play, you know, because I can't, mm-hmm. I don't have dreams of winning the main event this year. They won't let you back into the main. Yeah, they yeah. won't let me back in. I have to watch from the sidelines, which... Uh, good good it, segue, by the way. Yeah, of course. It's the everyone for one drop uh, 10K event uh, from July 9th to the 14th in 2023 which is basically this weekend, Sunday, right? I think Sunday is, Sunday is... Yeah, it starts on Sunday. Sunday, three <laughs> flights, one re-entry per flight. So yeah. kind of unlimited so you re-entry, play, you know? If you're, if you're Berkey, you can play a 60K. If you're Berkey, you can play a lot yeah. of uh, your ABI in if, if you're, a short right, time. And if you're landing and you get, uh, you know, you get uh, full house over full house, you can play again. Yeah. They won't, uh, they won't, they won't, uh, they won't shut you out. They won't shut me out, but they might boat over boat me again. So yeah, we're just right. gonna have to gamble. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's no such thing yeah. as a tournament where boat over boat is not allowed. Yeah, maybe it's just boat over boat for me instead mm-hmm. of somebody else. Just, yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe you have the eights this time. Yeah, maybe I turbo jam that river. Maybe, maybe, maybe he just calls. <laughs> yeah, maybe he just doesn't fold the deuces. Yeah, who knows? You know. But uh, anyways, I guess we'll let the tortoise get back into creeping yep, and crawling. Let's go, tortoise. Yep. Couple Man. more minutes. Let's left. go, Tortoise. Uh, so <laughs> let's do this. I will see you guys. On, I guess I'll see you guys on day uh, three. Since yeah, we'll you be will. Separate on we'll, day two. We'll also so. see you tomorrow because yeah, you have a day off. Mm-hmm. That hopefully, is true. hopefully you uh, you come back to us after you bag six hundred k. Yeah, yeah, that I sounds re- good. I would really love a Brian Lamana headlines day one D. That would be amazing. Let's go, Ninja Tortoise. We'll right. Go get him, Tortoise. Le- GLG. Yep. All right. Let's go. Guys. Tortoise is yeah. in the chat. Let's go. <clears throat> yeah, it seems like both of uh, both of our compatriots of the A team are doing pretty well in the main. Conrad City's got ninety. Brian has ninety four. Yeah, they're all they're you know bagging, doing way better than me and Berkey did yesterday. Yeah, so I was gonna say, Santic Berkey had a tough day too. Yeah, he Matt did. bagged uh, I think twenty four k. Yeah. Um, he was very unhappy about it, or he seemed like it, at least. Yeah, he seemed unhappy about it, and then you just have to kind of perspective shift him back into you could just be out of the main. Yes. Right? You have 30 bigs. You're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Let's you, just relax. And he's been playing cash with whales all day. So yeah. Like, Brought yeah. back nine bigs in the secret bounty and then had heaps, you know? So now you have 30 bigs in 
one of the so in the softest 10k of the year yeah isn't he he's also like six for ten or something cashing events this seven summer. for nine something, or something something absurd some nasty like, number like recreational tournament player just cashes like two-thirds of his tournaments yeah with an abi of like 5k plus <laughs> right like, yeah. okay dude sure easy easy yeah, yeah. you know um <clears throat> It is one of those tournaments, like just the main in general, where I've heard so many stories from other people that I talk to where they say, I would have probably busted out of any other tournament mm -hmm. if I ran this bad, but I need to treat the main so much differently than others. Because if you can snap back into the perspective of, okay, sure, I have half starting, but half starting is still a lot. And I've waited all year to play this tournament. Mm -hmm. There's definitely going to be a difference in mentality when it comes to playing certain spots. Yeah, for sure. I had a, I had a spot that was almost exactly like that. It was against Zeus, actually. Uh, <laughs> our former, uh, our former software colleague uh, Andy Zuzalo. I, I had a spot where I, I was down to like, like fourteen, fifteen k in chips. Big blind uh, is uh, four hundred. Okay. I opened uh, queen jack off, um, like low jack or something mm -hmm. button calls zeus calls in the big blind it comes queen deuce deuce rainbow zeus checks i bet like just over one big blind button folds zeus like checks his whole cards and then calls and mm -hmm. i was like that's a little weird because it's not a suited flop rainbow yeah it's a rainbow flop so like i was a bit like eh, a bit wary um and it turns an offsuit four so it's queen deuce deuce four mm -hmm. Badugi. um Zeus checks, and I'm like, I'm supposed to just like triple off here and try to get called by a worse queen, but I had that, I had, I just had that spidey feeling. Sense. I had that spidey sense of like, <laughs> I feel like he has, I feel like he has too much deuce X here. He's not check raising enough, mm. and that the card check just spooked me. So I check back. Spooky he, check, spooky yeah, check. He bets 2100 on the river, um, and I'm supposed to like, at that point, I'm probably supposed to just like jam for value. The river was like a five. Um, I'm supposed to like jam for value. I'm supposed to just get my just last, like, raise. like yeah. yeah, or just like raise, or just get most of my chips in. And but again, Spidey Sense went off, and uh -huh. I just called, and he has Ace Deuce off. Wow. And I'm mm. like, wow, I was supposed to maybe not bust, but I was supposed to almost bust the tournament in that hand, possibly bust if I just triple off, and I saved myself. Yep. And I would, I, I would not have cared that much about the Spidey Sense aspect of that hand if it was some other tournament. But in the main, I'm like. I'm not, I'm not going to be the guy who ignores the spidey sense and then busts the main. It's like, why didn't I listen to the spidey sense, you know? Yep. And, There's uh, a weird in between, right? He, just, he had the <clears> deuce <throat> and we, uh, you know, we saved ourselves a little bit. It's tough when it comes to call it playing good theoretical strategy mm -hmm. versus kind of not valuing tournament life in a sense. Mm -hmm. But I think a very big skill when it comes to not just the main, but just big field tournaments in general, you know, like thousand plus entries where you can have some higher ROIs is understanding value thresholds when it comes to going for thin value as yeah. well as understanding raising thresholds when it comes to realizing what you get called by mm -hmm. you know because in theory there's some spots where you have some raises and you're going to get called by worse but if these hands stop calling sure they're going to have an issue with it but at the same time you're probably going to be value cutting yourself in a lot of spots yeah, like i have i have a hand from yesterday that i wasn't very happy we don't need to go into it but i wasn't sure. very happy about it because i i raised bottom set on the river in a three bet pot on a board of King seven five, king seven five nine queen, mm -hmm. um, three hearts, and it was like it was a river spot where I was like, he he bet like two thirds pot or something. I was like, how do I not raise here? Because he checked back the turn. Like I check called the flop. He checked back the turn. I was like, how do I not raise a set here? This is like mm, absurd that I'm yeah. thinking about not raising a set. And I raised and he just folded. But in the end, I was like. Uh, actually, he, he can just have, like, a set of queens there. Like, he can have a weird jack-10. Like, is he actually going to pay me off with, like, black aces or something weird? Like, when I actually think about how what I'm getting paid off by, I'm just, like, hoping he has king-queen. The know? variance is strange because, like, some people that you do play against will, like, beat you in the pot with hands like that. Yeah. And then some people will never put a, a chip in the pot. With, right. You might get someone to fold a set of queens. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's kind of that in-between of realizing, like, kind of the KYC, right, to know mm. your customer when yes. it comes to making certain decisions. But I think the people that have the highest ROIs are able to manipulate these situations better than the aggregate. Yeah. I, my, my hedge in that spot was to, I had like 38K behind and he bet like 8,500. And a lot of the time I would have just jammed, but my hedge was to raise to 22K. Yeah. And mm -hmm. he just like pretty quickly folded. It was like some Argentinian 
guy that had like a patch on his arm but didn't play good <laughs> so like i don't know Based. i don't know who he was like he was just like flatting every in before like, it's in before it's nacho he, yeah it's not nacho it's not nacho it's some other guy his last name was beretta I don't know. his I don't last know name was barbero no <laughs> i didn't realize matt had, had such ruthless descriptions of people and i'm here for it i, I, I am you should here know what british for... people are like yeah so. i am yeah i mean but, even spraggy's a little bit publicly is a little bit more yeah. <laughs> PC about it. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't think he spoke much English, so I don't think he's listening Spaggy, to this podcast. Yeah, Spaggy was like, oh, action, me, Spaggy, like, oh, action gambler, Matt Hunt's just out here just like, whale. Well. <laughs> he's the fucking worst ever, like, yeah. sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean, I, it definitely... I like to subvert expectations sometimes. Yeah, for sure. You know, someone's got to keep it real on these streets. Yeah. And, and but yeah, it ain't going to be me. I hedged in this spot. I raised to a size that was like, it was like a size I would never normally use. And I was just like hoping he had King Queen. Yeah. There's definitely value in the punch counter punch strategy. Yeah. You know, where um, you know that these things are not correct in a vacuum, mm -hmm. but in the practical realm, maybe they're really good. Yeah. Cause when it looks at, look at certain things like bluff catchers, right? In theory, uh, in different bluff catchers, zero, mm -hmm. like zero EV and you're calling just to defend frequency wise. But in practice, some bluff catchers might be worth so, so much yeah. or so, so little. You know, mm -hmm. and being able to understand what spots they are good value, like good bluff catchers and bad bluff catchers. It doesn't even matter what suits your cards are in some spots, you know? Yeah. Sometimes people play ranges in a certain way and poker's hard, you know? Yeah. But the people that can manipulate these spots and understand how to make the most of it or lose the least are the ones that are going to be able to have higher ROIs, right? Yeah. It's just kind of about dodging landmines. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're unavoidable, right? Sometimes you just get set over set for all of it. And sometimes you can actually find some ways to not lose as much as you're supposed to mm -hmm. or gain more value than you're supposed to in certain spots yeah. too. And sometimes you have to do the equivalent of... <clears throat> <clears throat> trusting that the landmine is is a is a dud landmine and you step on it and you just you you just trust that they don't have it and you just call and you know you you, you bluff catch and you're right you know, yeah happened to me yesterday and i was very grateful that i was right because it would have been a spot where i was like if 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 i busted the main that way i would i would have been super frustrated about it but you know i yeah. called and was right and i was super happy about it instead Numbers are strange because sometimes people will kick themselves for making a very good practical play mm -hmm. and got an unlucky result yeah. versus choosing maybe a theoretically correct one and making it and then feeling some sort of, uh, I, we, call it, uh, we call it solver cope. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. oh, like my hand's indifferent and I mixed four and I rolled a 70 and I'm going to call and he had the nuts. And it's like, oh man, I feel good about it because I know I should call sometimes. And some spots need, you need to be able to do that and calibrate because players are good. And then other spots, it's not so clear. You know, so I guess when it comes to the EV in certain spots, like sometimes folding the bluff catchers in certain situations is worth a lot because you're supposed to lose more. You know, mm -hmm. you have to bluff catch because you don't beat value, but you're hoping they're bluffing. Yeah. But if the bluffs don't exist, bluff catching becomes really bad. Here's a question for you, because the, the bluff catch that I'm thinking of that I made, I made, I made it mostly based on live stuff like live behavior live like, reads live reads yeah. Are live reads real I did, I did my live pro shit like oh, i was shit. i was gonna say how often in zero ev bluff catches spots do you actually pay attention to that kind of stuff because i know you're more you, you're like me you came back <sighs> came through online more often now mm -hmm. than before right. you know and prior me uh i mean still sort of current me when i don't know where to default i'm not gonna beat some players off mm -hmm. of live reads, right? That's right. not where my EV comes from. Mm -hmm. My edge comes from playing theoretically well and knowing <clears throat> how to make some proper adjustments, you know? Yeah. In some situations versus some really great players, I'm not going to be the guy that gains value by trying to live read someone, right? right? Like if I'm playing like, someone like D. Peters in a pot, I'm not worried about what he's doing. Right. I'm never going to be able to get matter. anything. Yeah. It, yeah. And what's important is understanding those baselines and trusting mm -hmm. those when you don't have anything else to go off of. Right. But if you don't have those things to go off of, you're basically shooting dark. Yeah. And this, is, this was like a mistake that I almost made yesterday in this big spot where I, it was the guy to my direct right bluff jammed on me on the river. And I, I, like, I thought it through and I was like, ah, every, a, lot of, a lot of it was like screaming at me to call. And then part of me was just like, I don't want to bust the main event this way, mm. right? I, I really don't want him to just have it and I bust the main event and I feel like an idiot. Yeah. And then uh, uh, midway through my tank. Also, they just always have it. Yeah. They, <laughs> they always have it until they don't, right? right? They, they always have it until they don't. Yeah. yeah the, like the midway through my tank, I was like, I haven't even looked at this guy yet. I should look at him. I looked at him like quite quickly to my right. And then as soon as I looked at him, like his whole like demeanor just like shifted, right? It was one of those things where you're like, he was responding 
for me looking at him in a way that was very obvious. Like he yeah. twi like his face kind of twitched and his like hand was under the table and I could see his hand was like twitching in some way or like shaking and I was like, geez, this, this cannot be the face of someone who is just sitting there with a value hand wanting me to call. And it wasn't. So I was like proud of myself for looking at a spot where I was like, zero EV bluff catcher, might call, might fold, but the live tail pushed me in one direction. And mm. Being an online guy, like I very rarely make decisions on that basis, but <laughs> I think from time to time, like there's, there's value in it. You yeah, know? personally, the way that I see these spots, um, I like to look at a practical confidence interval. Mm. And yeah. it's something that I make up in my own head, right? How confident am I that someone is doing something that they normally wouldn't, mm -hmm. right? And sometimes you're gonna be wrong, but I would rather trust myself and be wrong mm. than go against myself and be wrong. Yeah. You know? Right. Because uh, example that sticks out to me, and I don't even know if it's, if bro, <laughs> if D-Laz even had the King Jack, I think he did. But uh, anyways, button versus big blind, 60 effective. Mm -hmm. I have ace of spades five. Flop comes queen, 10, 6 with two spades. Mm -hmm. He checks. I go B25. You can also go bigger, but it's fine. He calls. Um, turn is a deuce. Uh, he checks. Offsuit deuce. He checks. I know that this is like kind of one of the worst ace we're going to have. The spade's going to be nice later. So I go for the overbet for 150% pot, and he calls. And the river is a 10 but he can't have 10x of spades because the queen and 10 are spades. Mm -hmm. He lead jams. And I'm like, I know how good you are at poker. And I know in theory, this hand might actually find a call, mm -hmm. right? Because the ace of spades, he's never going to bluff with on the end. Mm -hmm. The five is kind of a dangler that he's never going to have. And it's very clear that he could have some spade draws that he doesn't want to raise over the overbet, as well as the king jack that's drawing to the nuts that can't fold and doesn't always check raise flop. So now I'm in this spot where I'm like, man, I know how good you are. I know where the obvious bluffs are, and I know what the defined value is, right? It's just going to be a 10 most of the time. So in the moment, I was like, man, this feels like a really good bluff catcher, and maybe the sim agrees, but I didn't have the confidence that in theory it was even on the table mm -hmm. because it feels like such a ridiculous kind of call to make after going... C-bet kind of as a bluff, right? Mm -hmm. And then you overbet turn definitely as a bluff. And now he lead jams on you. Yeah. And you're like, well, wait, I kind of win. Now I call. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so I didn't have the confidence. I was pretty sure based off of mechanics that this hand might mix a call mm -hmm. just because of the certain suits that I had in my hand. Like yeah. not bluffing with the ace of spades. Um, and the five is effectively a nothing. Mm -hmm. And I end up tanking and I'm like, man, my hand's really bad, but I beat everything that you're bluffing with mm -hmm. and it's also very possible for somebody good to wake up with king jack here play it in this fashion and realize i can still have 10x that i have to be indifferent yeah. with on the turn with the spade for sure and i don't know where my bluffs would come from but this feels like a good one because he mm -hmm. also um blocks some of my best calls like the queen jack and the king queen yeah mm -hmm. um so i end up folding and i'm like you bitch like Really annoying spot. Uh, I end up folding. He tells me it's King Jack, and I look wow. at his sim, and the, and the Ace Five is indifferent. Wow. Yeah. And like it's that validating thing where I really wanted to trust myself. Yeah. Went for the fold because I thought in the back of my mind, man, are my friends gonna think I'm really stupid? I was gonna say that. Does that ever pop in your brain? And that all the time. In that spot, I'm sending that text busted, and then you got to put the the hand history. <laughs> busted. What was the hand? And it's this. And it's just and it and especially in a big event. It was a 5K six max. Yeah. It's just that goes through your mind, you know, of just mm -hmm. am I really gonna send out this dirty text message to my group <laughs> of just busted, and they're gonna be like, what the fuck? And yeah. you have to just. Yeah, it's just brutal. One, one day we'll have a conversation about what's the dumbest way each of us has busted a tournament. Yeah. yeah um, well, we're being played out right now. So. Yeah, it won't be today, but it'll be another time. Anyways, thanks for rocking with us. You know, late night shift at 7 p.m. And hopefully the, B, or the A squad comes back tomorrow with some good news. Brian bagging 600, Conrad bagging 350. And uh, having that day off tomorrow. So we'll see you then. Let's do it. Peace. Bye.